Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, we are live. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and today is for the hardcore fans. Uh, What we're going to be doing today, we are going to be breaking down in depth everything you ever wanted to know, and probably a lot more, about the 49ers defensive win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, if you are one of those offensive fantasy football people, that's okay. We still love you. We covered that in yesterday's podcast, so if you want to pause this and go listen to that one first, we answered a lot of questions there as well. But today what we're going to do is we're going to attempt to focus almost all of our efforts on the defensive side, go through drive charts, um, how that panned out, total snap counts, who played well, who played bad, Uh, Just go through it all. Coverage, missed tackles, all those fun things, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and we even have some new news out. So uh, practice today, we had a press conference earlier today with Kyle Shanahan, and he was able to give us a lot more information just on what's going on with some injury updates and things like that. So um, if you are joining us live, I do want to say thank you. Really appreciate it. And if you have a question, please just throw that in the chat. Just make sure that you at me, um, at John Chapman. That way I can see it because the last couple times we've gone live, which has been an absolute blast, there's a lot of comments on there, and I want to make sure I focus on the content. So if you have a direct question, just put at John Chapman on there, and we will go from there. So I want to make sure that we cover everything that you guys want today. So if you have any questions, just throw that in there. So let's start with some practice updates and just some more relevant news from what's going on today. Uh, A couple things. Uh, Number one, Nick Bosa did not practice today. And whenever I say today, I'm talking about Wednesday. Um, This was the first practice in Youngstown. The 49ers chose to stay on the East Coast or East Standard time zone. Uh, You know, they're, they're in Ohio at Youngstown State. And which is really unique. A lot of teams want to come back home, rest, then go back. 
But before this week one win, the 49ers were 0-12 when traveling to the East Coast in their last 12 games. So we're trying to buck that trend and just stay out there for a full week. That way the players don't have to adjust to the early kickoff again because this is a super early kickoff, 10 a.m. our time on Sunday versus the Bengals. Uh, Our next episode will be a complete scouting report on them. I've got a lot of film to do on them. I know it's just one game, but um, Kyle Shanahan even alluded to this. You know, he was asked today, you know, what does Zach Taylor and the Bengals do who had a hell of a game against the Seattle Seahawks? They should have won that game. But uh, he said, you know, they do basically everything that the L.A. Rams do. So we are very familiar with that scheme and that system. That's going to be quite interesting. So back to the news. Nick Bosa. He did not practice today, and the idea was that his ankle soreness returned, which is, is scary to say the least, but if if he's going to play that, way, that well, <laughs> we, we don't have to worry, and we'll get into the starters and all that stuff, but Nick Bosa played 38 snaps to D Ford's 40 snaps, so it's not like he was on near as much of a snap count limit as we initially thought he was. Um, they still do think that he will be playing this week, no problem, but if if Nick Bosa could come out and play that well, he had six pressures by himself, seventh best in the NFL after week one. There are a few people tied with seven above him, but uh, the dude just totally balled out. Jimmy Ward was out there today in a blue non-contact jersey. He's got a cast on his hand, so it seems like he will be able to play, but again, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan said it's 100% an injury thing. You don't have to worry about a cast on the hand with tackling, usually on the defensive side. But you do have to worry about with interceptions or trying to catch the ball and things like that. So that's problematic, but we'll just kind of have to see what's going on there. I do think that he will play. Now the question is, why rush him back if he's not going to be starting? And I don't think that he will. Tarverius Moore put in a very solid game. I think you want to stay with what he's got going on. But dress Jimmy Ward because, again, he would probably be the first in at um, either safety position, which is huge. Uh, Joe Staley got a vet day off. Get used to that. I doubt he will practice any first day uh, throughout the entire season. I just don't think that's going to be an issue. Then uh, Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, both absent as well. And some good news, Dante Pettis was an absolute full go today. Um and he was even brought up, a question was asked, again, we're going to get to defense, but a question was asked, did you did you mean to get Debo Samuel that many snaps? Because he took the most snaps of all wide receivers. And Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, I, I think we gave him too many. I wish that we could have taken some of those away and got Dante in there. But he did mention the few days before, you know, after the game, that Dante didn't practice all week in his groin issue. You know, I think it's going to kind of level out instead of Debo Samuel getting, you know, almost 60 snaps. You could see that down closer to 40 to 45, and Dante Pettis' snaps would take a, you know, jump up to 20 to 25. That's just my early prediction. We'll see. I've been wrong on Dante Pettis, so uh, who knows how that's going to go. But um, moving back up, we've got just a couple other things. Uh, Nazocha left practice with an illness today, so that's an interesting one. Not huge pivotal, but he can, he's coming off an awesome game. Hopefully he gets some rest. And that's kind of where we're at as far as the imperative points that came out of the press conference. So a couple things real quick before we jump into the defensive side. I want to make sure I give a shout-out to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia These guys are absolutely awesome. They gave us the George Kittle jersey. 
and a lot of you guys that um, you know have have already been following me, I really do appreciate it. A way that we can bring some more attention to this podcast is by making sure we spend time on Twitter and tweet that out. That's the whole goal of this. You know, we want to bring game day sports and memorabilia some more business. And they gave us an autographed solid red. Um, George Kittle authentic jersey. It's so badass, and it's free. All you have to do is head over to my Twitter account, at JL underscore Chapman. It is the pinned tweet on there. So go ahead and retweet that, and it will give you just a couple of things um, on there to do. All you have to do is follow this YouTube account, which if you're already doing, I appreciate it, and the Eat Sleep Fantasy account as well. So that's what you got to do on there. So head over there, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. They have all of your memorabilia needs taken care of in about 20 pages of just 49er stuff. So if you got a birthday coming up, mine's coming up this weekend. What, what? Uh, and if you want something, and I, I get it, man. I'm getting old. I'm 37, going to be 37. And my wife keeps asking me, what do you want? What do you want? And I'm just like, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Um, I just started asking for 49ers stuff. So that's a great place to head over there too. Now, let's jump over and just a couple quick questions real quick. John, um, what rank QB do you have Jimmy G finishing this year? If you're talking fantasy-wise, I think that he will be close to that 10 to 15 range. He's just got to fix his touchdowns. He's way off on getting actually into the end zone. That's always been the concern for Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks. But yards, he's going to be around that 5 to 7. Passing yards will come. They will be there. As far as NFL quarterbacks, I think he's hovering around that 8 to 12 range as of now. And that's fine. Um, I I do believe that he is better than half the league uh, with – so much upside. It would not surprise me, you know, if you look at, you jump up three to four years from now, whenever, you know, guys like Drew Brees and Roethlisberger and, you know, um, Philip Rivers and those guys are out, he's going to be a top five quarterback. I really do believe that he can. So, Let's do this. Let's jump into the defense. Again, in the live reaction show after the game, which if you are on my YouTube page, it's already set up. So go ahead and hit the notification on there so that when the game is over and we beat the Bengals week two, you can join us and let's have a lot of fun just breaking down that game. But the MVP is Akello Witherspoon. He was absolutely incredible. Um, He has been very, very up and down. But we saw this early last year as well. When he is healthy and playing with confidence, he can do amazing things. He was absolutely unbelievable. And it just it, as long as he's playing that way <laughs> and they're going to keep targeting Sherman like what we saw this week, then holy freaking cow, we are going to have a very stout defense. So let's jump in real quick. We're going to go through the starters who were out there first, snap counts and all those things. Then we'll get into top five defensive players, bottom five defensive players. And if you have a question, just throw that up on there. So defensive line up front, you know, pretty standard. You know, the defensive left side, we had Eric Armstead at end. We had DeForest Buckner at defensive tackle, DJ Jones at defensive tackle, and then D Ford as the right end. So those were our up front guys. We came out in a uh, standard kind of 4-3 Traditional setup, we weren't in our nickel package. We had three linebackers, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and Dre Greenlaw got a lot of snaps. He got 56 out of a possible 69 snaps. So he was out there a lot, a lot more than we wanted him to be once Quan got ejected. But still, Dre, Dre played pretty well. He had a better rating than any other linebacker out there, and we'll get to that in a second. And the secondary, 
It didn't change at all. Our four starters played every single snap. Richard Sherman, left corner. Tarverius Moore, free safety. Tart, strong safety. And Witherspoon, our right cornerback. And the slot snaps, the slot or nickel corner, were completely divided uh, between Quan Williams, who went out there first, and Emmanuel Mosley. So Quan got 23 snaps and Mosley got 22. So you could see there, like, this is kind of what it's going to be. Uh, you know, dime package, which we didn't see a lot because O.J. Howard's just such a stud. They keep him out there for a lot of the snaps, and he's not going to go anywhere. So because of that, we didn't really utilize a whole lot of uh dime packages next week's going to be the exact opposite Uh, they like to air it out in Cincinnati again Uh, I'm going to do a whole nother (laughs) breakdown a a whole episode I don't feel confident talking a lot about that game right now just because I need to watch some more film so um, question right here Uh, John when do you think uh, Verrett will play well if Witherspoon keeps doing what he's doing he's going to be the first backup cornerback. So as of right now, we have a lot of depth at corner, whether that's inside or outside. DJ Reed didn't get one snap in this game defensively. That should tell you about the depth on the inside with Kawan and Mosley. And we didn't even have Jimmy Ward, who is also a backup nickel guy. So now if Jimmy is healthy, that's going to put us too deep at every single position in the secondary. Because Verrett will be the backup for either outside corner, and that is not a step down. It is quite possible that if he is healthy, which we don't want to rush him back off that ankle sprain anyway, but it seems like he's he was inactive last week. He As soon as he's ready, he will be active. I'll tell you that right now. But it's quite possible our best corners are backup right now. And that's not a knock on Sherman. That's not a knock on Witherspoon. But the ceiling of Verrett, whenever he played, he was close to an all-pro corner. So, interesting to watch. Why do you think Buckner didn't do well last game? I don't know. He was double-teamed a whole lot. And whenever he was in there, he was double-teamed. But that's never stopped him in the past. And you could make the argument a big reason why we were able to generate so much pass pressure, Alvin, um, is... Everybody else was in one-on-one matchups. And so if that's going to be the case, you got to win your one-on-one matchups. And I think that's usually what happens. So Nick Bosa, snap counts again, as we said, 38 snaps. He played out of his mind. Uh, Julian Taylor got six. And the sad thing is, man, we put Julian Taylor in there. The most pivotal point of the game, we go put him in there, and he did not play well. Uh, he, he looked pretty bad. But I'm glad to see him get some rotation, just not in the fourth quarter when you're down or when you're up six on the most important drive of the game. It does show you how much this coaching staff believes in their players, which is wonderful. But that's probably not the time to have your third string defensive lineman in there. You know, we're looking out there and it was a long drive, so I get it. And we're we're really big on making sure we are not over getting snaps over, especially on the defensive line. Um, Buckner got the most snaps up front with 52 again out of 69. So they're rotating a lot, but damn, we were out there on third and one and they had Good old Solomon Thomas and Julian Taylor out there. That is just not a good formation. And they took advantage of it. They drove it right down their throats. Now, let's take a break real quick. Let's look at the top five pro football focus grades. And I do like their defensive grades. Now, here's the things you have to understand. They take off a whole bunch of points for penalties. So if you get a lot of penalties, you just got to understand this is going to be on you. So, um, and we did have a whole bunch. 
You know, Richard Sherman got three penalties. That's gigantic. So he's going to get docked tremendously. So just keep that in mind. Understand, yes, he did have a pick six. Yes, he was amazing. He did not grade out well. So the top player was Witherspoon with an 80.8, and right behind him was Nick Bosa, 80.5. Again, Nick Bosa was just unbelievable with six total pressures, two quarterback hits. He had a sack and a half. it's, It's weird. Officially, he only registered one sack. But um, it was a sack and a half. I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, Drake Greenlaw finished third with a 75.7 grade. Mark Nazocha with the punt block and the interception and an additional two tackles. Uh, just had a great game and a limited number of snaps. 73.5 in D forward. He came in at fifth with 70.8. He had that strip sack again. Also uh, came up back with another quarterback hurry and another quarterback hit so great game there now if we look at the flip side it's about to get dark Quan Alexander was graded as the worst player according to pro football focus now hold on for a second and here are the reasons why he was targeted three times in the passing game he gave up two catches he was there both times and made decent tackles but he had that huge penalty on a third down which they weigh heavily He did not generate any pressures, and so even though he was out there for 20 snaps, half of which were in coverage, um, his value is definitely more than it shows. Um, Should he have been ejected for that hit? Whatever. Um, I I don't want to get too much into that. I understand protecting the players, and you've got to do what's right to make sure that people won't uh, turn off the sport. I think the only way that people will stop watching football is if really bad injuries happen on camera involving the head and or neck. Um, I th- so you've got, I get it. I 100% get it. He's technically, he's the first player ejected because of this new rule. Um, there were other people ejected. There was somebody else ejected. Um, oh yeah, Miles Jack was ejected earlier in the game, but it wasn't for the hel- helmet-to-helmet contact. He threw a punch like a moron. But so technically, Quan Alexander's gone down in history books as the first player ever ejected in an NFL game for the helmet-to-helmet hit. See what you got to do, and and you know the coaching staff they kind of showed us what they believe here because they gave the game ball to Quan Alexander in the locker room with the awesome speech. That was awesome. And Quan Alexander is turning into kind of the energy and or heartbeat of this defense. You know, I the, you have Fred Warner who's a little bit more quiet and he is the captain of the defense, there's no doubt about that. Um but then if you look at kind of the emotional energy, you've definitely got Sherman on the back end. Now you have Quan up front and there's uh, you know in that front seven and none of the D linemen are really like super loud guys. DeForest Buckner very quiet and reserved. Eric Armstead quiet reserved. Dick Bosa quiet reserved. Even D Ford for a large extent he's not like a loud up in your face guy. So Quan Alexander is the guy that's gonna bring kind of that energy up front that front seven and the team feeds off that. Which you got to have those type of attitudes on a team for cohesiveness and to help you get up whenever you're not up. Uh, Because there's going to be long drives where the defense is going to be exhausted and tired, backs against the wall. You need those guys to step up and kind of rile everybody up um, whenever that happens. So um, next question from Josh real quick. Would you keep more over a healthy ward? Hell yes. Uh, That is an absolute yes. And the main reason why is the ceiling. You can make the argument, and it'd be a solid one, that perhaps Jimmy Ward is better than Tarverius Moore now. Um, 
that he's a little bit safer of a play. I don't want safe uh, there. I, I believe that Ward is barely above replacement level safety. Um, and especially whenever you look at his health, that's a huge thing. Tarverius Moore has all of the capabilities to be an amazing safety in the NFL. Because of that, you go upside. And plus, he's played one game. He played pretty damn good. So uh, jumping back real quick, Solomon Thomas was the second worst player, 39.1. And here's the deal, okay? Let me um, let me take a deep breath here because I, I know I talk about Solomon Thomas a lot. And, you know, I even put out the Twitter poll before the season and I said, Am- are they going to continue to play him out of position at the defensive or defensive end position without moving him inside? And the poll was over 70% saying, no, they're going to move him back inside. And they did not. He only had 12 total snaps, and they were all bad. Uh, he jumped off sides on a crucial third down. Um, he just generated zero pressures. He's just a waste. And I hate to say it, but I think it's officially time to say Solomon Thomas is a bust in our system. I really wish we would trade this guy to somebody that knows what the hell they're doing with this player. He does not ever in the history of the rest of his life need to take an outside snap again on the defensive side. The sad thing is, like, I love the kid, and I think that he can play in the NFL, and I think he can be a decent player, but not at defensive end, especially not at a 4-3 defensive end. He has zero edge presence, and he cannot bend the edge whatsoever. He is still running head up into the offensive tackle every single pass play, which he was only out there for five pass plays, and he dropped in coverage once. So we're still dropping Solomon Thomas, who should be a defensive tackle, into coverage. Way to go, Robert Sala. Like, absolutely ludicrous, insane. And I understand our defense is improved, and I like Robert Sala, and I'm glad that he is our defensive coordinator. But this is asinine, stupid behavior, and you're ruining this kid's career. So I really do hope that we trade him for anything. Um, He doesn't need to get any more snaps on our defense whatsoever. Um, especially at defensive end. Move them inside or stop playing them. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Sheldon Day, he was the third worst player, 45 uh, grade on there. He just gets moved off the ball. Uh, Sheldon Day is great whenever it's a pass rush situation. He was out there for 13 pass rush snaps and four defensive uh, rush snaps. And whenever they were rushing the ball, man, you you just see him get moved backwards and you can't do that whenever you're anchoring the defensive front Richard Sherman as I said earlier he ranked uh fourth worst with a 48.5 a lot of that just had to do with all of the penalties I'll get into targets and receptions and all that stuff and then DeForest Buckner he came in at fifth worst and his tackling rate was great it's just he got moved off of the ball and they were running at him instead of away from him. You know, we, we haven't seen that very much. And a lot of the biggest runs up the middle in the second half, whenever the you know the Bucks switched their running back, it was right at DeForest Buckner. So just something to pay attention to. You know, you don't want to put too much stock into the pro football focus grades, but it does help you kind of see what's going on there. You know, and so you want to see what's going on, but it's what it is. So let's move on real quick. I want to talk about some things that we did right. And probably the number one thing that this team did was getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, the NFL, 
they put out the defensive pressure rate of each team in week one, and the 49ers came in fifth place of the NFL, generating pressure on 40.5% of snaps. Uh, Now, what's interesting, and this is going to be a lot of fun, is the Bengals ranked number one in the NFL with 50% against, again, the Seattle Seahawks. They have one of the worst offensive lines. They have a great left tackle on Dwayne Brown. Outside of that, their offensive line is absolutely just trash. I I almost said the word abysmal, but if you read the comments, apparently abysmal is my word that I use a lot. So I'm going to try to move away from saying abysmal, even though I just said it three more times just throwing a little love out there. <laughs> Hopefully some people are like, man, what the hell? But whatever. So the 49ers and Bengals, both in top five as Monk's pressures last week. But here's the craziest thing. The lowest pressure allowed, 49ers were second. The Bucks only generated 10.7% pressure against us on the opposing side. So when we're top five and we're getting 40% of pressure and we're only allowing 10%, Jimmy Garoppolo only got hit one time, and that was his sack. Outside of that, he was hurried twice. That was it. So when your quarterback can stand up and not be threatened, he's going to have a decent game and you're going to move the field. You're going to move the ball. Now, the issue is whenever you're hitting their quarterback so much, that's where turnovers come from, which we saw. I, I think these numbers will return a little bit more pedestrian, but man, that Bengals offensive line, it's awful as well. <laughs> We're playing against a lot of really poor offensive lines. And so as long as that's going to be the case, I think we're going to continue to be living in the backfield, which is what we want. You know, and the funny thing is, you know, we look at these total 19 pressures that the 49ers had. That is a lot considering the Bucks only got three total pressures. So Nick Bosa led the way um, with six total pressures. He had two sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, two quarterback hits, and two hurries. The guy was just all over the place. He did miss one tackle in the run game, but he did have two solo stops. Just played absolutely unbelievable. Look for that role to continue exactly as it was this week where he's not out there as as a quote-unquote starter, but he's getting starter snaps. Our defensive line is going to rotate like crazy. Eric Armstead got three total pressures as well. One sack, two hurries. D4, three total pressures. One sack, one hit, one hurry. Also, a batted pass and a forced fumble on that strip sack. Again, we had nine total pressures just from those two additions. And you want to know what difference two guys can make? Nine pressures between the two of them? That is unbelievable. You took our biggest weakness last year and you turned it into a strength. That is awesome. DJ Jones got two pressures, which is amazing for our interior guy. He got more than Sheldon Day. So I I would really like DJ Jones' snaps to go up some. I really would. Tart got two on pressures uh, whenever he was blitzing off the edge. Ronald Blair got one as well. Sheldon Day won. And DeForest Buckner only got one. Um, so that that's key there. Now, tackling was a major issue. We had nine missed tackles. I hate this, man. One of the, Again, one of the key problems and what's kind of frustrating about this coaching staff is that we struggle correcting behavior <laughs> from previous years. We don't step in and change things. Uh, so red zone efficiency hasn't been improved. Now, we did draft to address that that issue. Tackling was a major issue. We don't really draft solid tacklers. We draft 
scheme-specific height-weight guys, but not those type of traits, which is interesting. So uh, now lots of missed tackles. Fred Warner, two missed tackles. Tarvarius Moore, two missed tackles. He likes to come in and lower his shoulder. You cannot do that. You just can't do it. Quan Williams, two missed tackles. Bosa had one. Armstead had one. And Richard Sherman had one as well. So you look at these kind of numbers and where we're at, and it's interesting. You know, it, what do we do with this? Because we haven't fixed it, and it's the NFL. You can't practice tackling. It's just one of those things that has to get better. Um, and so it's, it, it's interesting to say the least. Yeah, I, I really do wish we would correct that. Now, before we get into the secondary and targets and all those things, I do want to say thanks to our sponsor, mybookie.ag, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. That was fun to spell out. Uh, dyslexia is hard to do that with, but my bookie makes it easy. Here's the best thing about these guys. If you bet with us last week, you won, which was a lot of fun. The 49ers are one and a half point underdogs already this week, which is quite interesting. I do understand that the Bengals played very well against Seattle and should have won last week. We'll break that game down next episode a little more, but usually the home team gets three points. So technically, if this was on a neutral field, the 49ers would be favored by a point and a half, but you're going to give me points against one of the worst offensive lines and worst defenses in the NFL. Holy cow, I love that. Uh, you know, whenever they released the schedule, we jumped on these two games and we said, "Man, if we could start 2 and 0 on the road, watch out." Because after that, we've got a little bit of leeway. And we didn't win one Road game last year, we've already got one road win under our belt. So head over to mybookie.ag, use the promo code 49ers49ERS. They're going to double your initial deposit, and I know a lot of you guys have already reached out and signed up, and I appreciate that. That does help the podcast out uh, very, very much. So head over there. They double whatever it is, you had, uh, your initial deposit, and then you go from there. You win, you bet, you win, you, you get paid. It's super easy. Get money in and out at any time that you want to, and you can bet on literally everything. So just want to say thanks to those guys. Real quick, this is an offensive question, I believe. Um, John, how do we improve our run game? Um, man, our run game's going to get better. I'm not really stressed about that. We were playing against two of the best run-stuffing nose defensive tackles in the NFL in Vita Vea and in Dominican Sue with one of the most talented rookie linebackers that we have seen in quite a long time. That's the one thing that they could do is stop the run, and they did in the first half. And we exploited other parts of their game. I do think it will improve the defensive line group. Geno Atkins is amazing, but he's much more of a pass rusher. I do believe we're going to have a lot more success running the game, running the ball this week. Um and then he asked the question, who was better or worse, O-line or their D-line? Oh, our O-line played amazing. You have to give them credit. Were they missing their best pass rusher? Yes, they were. But anytime, I don't care if you're playing JV football, it doesn't matter. If your quarterback gets touched one time out the game, your O-line played amazing. So that's just what you got to do. Um, you you got to give a shout-out to our offensive line. I know this is a defensive episode. But um, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So let's move on now. Let's talk briefly about the secondary because they played well. I challenge, I challenge them like they listen. Um, you know, I, I said one of the biggest things is this wide receiver core is one of the better in the NFL with OJ Howard, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. And we were able to answer the call. 
Now, Mike Evans was very, very sick. So I don't know how much you want to put on that, but he was blowing chunks on the sideline. You know, that bug definitely got him, but I don't care. Our defense did their job. You don't pick who you play against. You pick how you play, and they answered. Now, the person that was targeted the most, they were definitely attacking the underneath part of our zone. Um, Fred Warner had 12 targets, and a big reason why his grade wasn't as amazing as it was, uh, he forced two fumbles. One of those didn't count because it was a stupid penalty, uh, but whatever. He was targeted 12 times and allowed nine catches. That's rough. He gave up over 100 yards receiving. He is amazing in the pass game uh, or in the run game. You know, if he can correct those missed tackles, then that's going to help a lot. He did get one pass breakup, which helped. But as a linebacker, you can't give up nine catches and 100 yards. That's a lot of first downs that happen against him. Um, Witherspoon was the next most targeted player. He had six targets, only allowed two catches for 21 yards. That's amazing as an outside corner, considering he got two pass breakups and a pick six. So he had more. <laughs> he got his hands on the ball more than the receiver he was guarding absolutely unbelievable incredible game I mean that's the thing he gave up 21 yards and no touchdown he scored a touchdown on his own the NFL passer rating when targeting Witherspoon 4.9 4.9 which is just bananas Um, Richard Sherman was targeted five times gave up three catches but again three penalties he did give up a touchdown as well Um, He had his interception, and he got his hands on a pass breakup. So this is kind of who Sherman has always been. If you go back to the days with Seattle, he was amongst the the lead in touchdowns allowed, but it's either either going one way or it's going the other. Uh, Same thing with a guy like Marcus Peters. He wants to be challenged. He's going to stay uh, on an island and do the best he can. But overall, you know, if you could get a pick six out of it, this is a huge win for the defense. But he did give up a touchdown, and, you know, he did give up a lot. Three penalties is a little much. We'll kind of have to see. It was an over-penalty game, but Sherman's a physical corner. He's going to get a lot more defensive pass interference calls and defensive holding. That's just what it is. Quan Alexander was targeted three times, gave up two catches. Uh, nothing too big there. Uh, Tart three times targeted three times two catches and a couple other ones but that's kind of what we got there so nothing too big there and here's the deal we had a great defensive performance anytime you know they scored 17 points seven of those were on jimmy g so our defense realistically only gave up 10 points and for a game that was projected to be close to 50 it was a 51 point over under Man, we were under. <laughs> Only giving up 10 points on that is just gigantic. Um, real quick, let's see here. I just want to make sure I'm not missing any questions. John, you have a W for us this Sunday, correct? Yes, I do. I've already put down my bet on that. I wouldn't be surprised if the line moves. Again, I'll break down more of the game. As of right now, Joe Mixon, their star running back, is questionable. We assumed the ankle injury was going to knock him out a week or two or three. It's looking like there's a small chance he can play, but at a running back, if I was the Bengals, I would sit him. You do not want to rush back your stud young running back um, early off an ankle injury. So it, even if he does play, it doesn't really move the needle very much for me. 
But ideally, you know, from a 49ers perspective, yeah, you want him out. A.J. Green is out of his walking boot and jogging on a treadmill. Doesn't matter. He will not be playing. Um, I don't think that it's going to happen. So that's what that is. Let's see here. Any other questions? What's up, John? Hey, guys, really appreciate it. Uh, just want to say, what's the word on Verrett? We still don't know much about him. I do believe they're not trying to rush him back because... Even if he is active, he will not take one snap during the game unless uh, there's an injury to Witherspoon or to Sherman. So you're just trying to wait. You're trying to buy time to just let him rest because whenever he's full full string, full healthy, you have a starting caliber outside wide, uh, cornerback just sitting on your bench. So anything for Trent Taylor, still a no. He did not practice today. Again, uh, I'll go over this one more time as we're getting a lot more questions, and you guys might have missed the first part. As far as today's practice, you know, uh, Nick Bosa did not practice. He had some soreness in the ankle um, after the game he did, so they're resting him there. Jimmy Ward was out there in a blue contact, uh, non-contact jer- jersey. Joe Staley, another vet day. Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, both absent. Dante Pettis was a full go. I do expect Dante Pettis to get a lot more snaps going forward. So that's kind of where we are. Really appreciate it, guys. And again, a couple things. If you have not already uh, entered for the chance to win the George Kittle jersey, man, it's sweet. Uh, my son's new favorite player is George Kittle, my old one. And he's like, dude, can I just keep it? And I was like, dude, I'll just buy you one. But um, it's over $200 plus over at Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. You have a chance to get it for free. Head over to my Twitter account, at JL underscore Chapman. It's my pin tweet. Retweet that bad boy. Get entered. Win an awesome jersey. And I will be back with you guys very, very soon. I've got to watch a lot of film on the Bengals and let you know what we got to watch out for and where we can uh, kind of take advantage of them. Because this is going to be a fun game. They're not a bad team. They are very well coached um, up front from what I've seen so far. So we'll just see what happens. So until that time, stay strong, faithful. Really appreciate all the support. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.